Hey, what's going on, guys? This episode of Drugs and Stuff. Well, first of all, good morning to you from Germany. FIBO just ended. I'll be talking about that on future shows, of course. But the show must go on. So today, Dave and I are going to discuss what cycle should I get with my tax return money. Kind of a fun topic, but you know, it is tax season, so hopefully you guys have already got that filed and you got a bunch of money back. Uh, we do get a little bit off track talking about whether or not somebody should use fat burners like Clen if they're not dieting down to like single digit body fat. If you get bored of that, we do have timestamps below, so you can skip around if you want. Uh, and if you want to take part in the next show, then comment below, comments, likes, all that stuff. It helps to boost our programming in the algorithm. This week, at what point in a diet do you need a high carb day? What are the pros and cons of home brewing? How much DHB, that's dihydrobolinone, setting up a training split for somebody that does shift work, plus Anivar once a week. Is that going to do anything during a cruise? Uh, spoiler alert, not really, but we have a fun time talking about that and a bunch more. If you're new to our content, let me encourage you to subscribe and hit the bell. We have several bodybuilding podcasts that come out each week, tons of education and entertainment from IPB pros, experienced coaches, and educators in our industry. We're all here to help you do better at the sport that we love, stay safer in the process, and you know, get you through your cardio or your work day or your commute or whatever else you're doing. All right, guys, let's get to the program. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Drugs and Stuff with Dave Crossland. I'm Scott McNally, and all of our programming is brought to you by you, the awesome people at Patreon. We're also brought to you by EvalBloodAnalysis.com. You get your lab work done by Dave if you're out in the UK. And hey, if you need some supplements in the UK, go to Strong Dave. Go to Strong Sports Nutrition. You get a lot of good health and uh, performance supplements over there, especially if you're on cycle. Check out their cycle support products. Um, we're also brought to you by TrueNutrition.com. Use our code THINK for additional savings, as well as SupplementSource.ca for our Canadians. Great deals that change week to week. Dave, guess what time of year it is? It is I'm tax. It's tax return time. I'm not here. You can't see me. No, I can't. No, you can't. It's just, it's just Christmas cabbage. There's nobody else. <laughs> it's tax return time. So that means that if you're unlike me, who is self-employed, meaning I actually have to pay a bunch of money when I do my taxes, um, some of you guys are getting money back. And your first thought is going to be, hey, what steroid cycle should I buy with my tax returns? Yeah, we don't discuss uh, Scott's taxes live on air because he doesn't want to use it in the prosecution case against him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dave. Dave, if we're going to talk about legal stuff and taxes, I think you have no room to, <laughs> to, to say anything uh, fleeing the law for two years. That said. Uh, done that. Got the T-shirt. <laughs> made for some good stories, too. Um, yeah. So, I mean, we're coming into summer. I think a lot of people are going to want to cut. That's what they're looking for. You know, are, we, it's, are we really coming into the summer? Yeah. Well, you guys not have summer spring weather yet out over there in uh, jolly old England? It's been very weird, actually. So yesterday was sunshine one minute, then thunderstorms and hail the next, and then rain, and then wind, and then sunshine, and then wind, and then more rain, and it was just all over the place. So as the weather gets warmer, the guys start peeling off their hoodies, they start busting out their tank tops and they want to look jacked for other dudes in the gym. And what are they going to take? That's the question of the day. Why is it called a tank top? Excuse it doesn't me. look anything like a tank. Excuse me, a jumper. Is that no, better? It just, no, I just, 
Is that what you call them? Why a jumper? No, a jumper's woolen and full length, full oh. arms. Is this a jumper? Why is it called a tank top? Okay, we also call them wife beaters. No, that's a vest. So a tank top. Oh yeah, top a vest. Is basically a t-shirt. With no, no, tank top sleeves. is tank top is a vest as well. We call tank top anything that is a sleeveless type deal. No, no, you see, so a tank top is basically a t-shirt with no sleeves, and then a vest has narrow straps. Yes. Okay, so at this point, we lost any new listeners that have tuned in. They're like, hey, I want to learn about gear. They're gone, Dave. They're gone, all right? Uh, all the new subscribers uh, we got because they tuned into Zach Khan, they just hit that unsubscribe button right now. By the way, guys, if you are new here, let me encourage you to hit the hit the button, hit the subscribe button, hit the bell, all that. Tank top. Because they were first popularized in modern Western fashion during the early 20th century as part of bathing suits for both genders, which at the time covered the torso with sleeveless low-cut top. The name is thought to have derived from tank suits, as swimming pools were commonly referred to as tanks in England. So there you go. So that's a, it was it was an item of bathing clothing. Anyway, moving on. Yes. Yeah, so drugs. Um, that's good. Well, I suppose. I suppose. Thank you, Charlie Barley. On, uh, yeah, thank you, Charlie Barley. So Charlie Barley Bumpkin Ali, the voice of of the voice of interesting facts in the corner. Yes. And big teeth. All right. So you were saying though, steroids. Well. And, what is your tax return would be the question because that denotes very much what your cycle is going to be, doesn't it? Well, and how much? This is the other thing. Okay, well, hang on a minute. Just, just yeah. I've got a okay. question here. Okay. So a tax return is generally speaking for most people a bonus. Yes, it's excess money they weren't expecting. They didn't know how much they were going to get. Yeah. You right. can basically just blow it on gear if you want. So most people will already have their budget finances for their cycles sorted. Yeah, they may. So then what we're really looking at is the sweetie stuff. Oh, like what bonus gear are you going to take? Like maybe you were just going to take some test and that was it. But now. When, now we got growth money. Yeah, maybe. I don't know how much you're making in tax returns, but, you know, you might or, be able. It depends. It depends, man. You might be able to. Here's the thing. Gear's not super expensive. So, you know, I mean it's really the food that's going to cost you the most. So it's kind of a, kind of just a humorous topic and we're basically using it as a way to discuss, you know, cuts into the summer. And we're probably talking about a guy who's not a competitor because he's going to be dieting down regardless of, you know, you know, when he gets his tax returns or what the weather looks like, he's getting in shape for a show, you know? So this is going to be, yeah, this is going to be for like just your average guy, your average gym goer, who's probably a lot of our, our listeners, I think, are non-competitors, but take it really serious in the gym, and they're a little geared up at it while they're at it. Uh, I mean, I prefer the, I've got excess money, what can I spend it on for my next cycle one, which I we've got acrylics, we've got GH, we've got all sorts of things like that we can play with. Yeah. But if you're say- talking just about, right, it's getting warmer and to be fair, a lot of casual gear users are very much influenced by the weather. I know that sounds a bit weird. But yeah, yeah. No, they are. You know, they, we get lean when we know summer's around the corner because we know we're going to be taking this top off. We get fat and heavy in the off-season or winter because we know we're staying covered up. Yep. Um, 
So, yeah, I mean, I'm not a big fan of discussing steroids in terms of cuts. Why is that? Because I don't look at steroids as drugs for cutting. I look at steroids as drugs for maintaining muscle mass, and there are compounds that are more suited to a calorie deficit diet because of DHT compounds not converting to estrogen. But I never liked the... I mean, we know Tren has some fat-burning properties-ish. Absolutely. And we know has some fat-burning properties-ish. Yeah. But for me, if, 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 if I want something in order to reduce my body fat levels from a chemical point of view, then I'm looking at fat burners. I'm looking at T3 or T4 or DMP or Clen or GH. I'm going down that route. Sure. If I'm in a cut, then I'm just looking for drugs that are going to support some muscle preservation, depending on where I am on a scale of condition, uh, that aren't going to cause me problems that are going to complicate my cut, i.e. aren't going to give me water. So... You know, your, your usual sort of test in a DHT is, is your prime example. Um, obviously, some guys um, probably... I don't think it's actually quite as popular as it used to be, but, I mean, it used to just be trend, 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 and more bloody trend. Yeah. I think now we got the DHTs in play, you know? People yeah, see... Yeah, so now it's just primo, primo, primo yeah. and more bloody primo. <laughs> and the difference is people are like, oh, man, trend's real toxic. You really shouldn't take that. But I use primo year-round with my TRT. Totally healthy. You know, this I, I had this conversation with someone the other day, and it's like, what a right, slightly off topic. I get that, but because we have brought it up, I'm going to do it anyway. Um, when am I ever want to follow the topic? Um, what's healthier? A decent size cycle with what would be regarded as towards the sort of higher end of ranges of drug use, so we say two, two and a half gram. Yeah, it's a decent size cycle. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. So, so to, let's say two to two and a half gram cycle, test decker to gain a good, solid off season growth period with very good numbers on muscle mass gain. Or three cycles of test and primo circa a gram to 1.2, 1.3 to gain the same amount of weight, but over an 18-month period? Hmm. I would think, honestly, yeah, it, it depends, man. You know, I mean, depends on what side effects you're getting, but I could see the long haul being on gear for a longer period of time. I could see that things like your HDL could go bad. Your hematocrit, the longer you're on. Like hematocrit going up, that doesn't happen in a you know a short blast. That happens over the long haul, you know, for a lot of people, I would at least in my experience. Um, so it's but now things like bad sides, like kidney issues, you know what I mean? Those things I could see being more likely to happen on that high level cycle. That said, man, I do and this is gonna take us even a little bit further off topic. I do get the feeling that people are concerned that they're going to run one cycle and then they're going to suffer massive health issues. You know, I've I've heard, for instance, people talk about. So the, one of the new things is, you know, talking about DECA, DECA being really toxic. 
um, for mentally, you know, it's being neuro neurotoxic. Right. And we've talked about that. You've you've brought that up for years now and it's getting to be more of a popular topic. Now, if a guy were to run NPP for, say, the next eight weeks, but then never touch NPP again for the next three years, you know, I think that that's going to be a lot less dangerous taking it just that one time. It's it's not like it's part of their daily regimen. Right. They're not using DECA for the rest of their lives. You know what I'm saying? Let's put this in context. I ran DECA at high doses for extended periods of time. I mean, I've literally done two gram of DECA a day for six months. And I don't have mental health issues from a point of view of depression or anxiety or paranoia or anything like that. Yes, my memory is screwed, and I have no doubt that DECA played a role in that. Well, then there you go. You just said that it's terrible for you. Yeah. All right. Hang on. I said that. But... I Decker was a foundation for a large number of my cycles, and, mm. and particularly the last couple of years, it was used in very high doses. And I have some memory concerns. Yes, not to the point where I'm it's causing me huge problems, but I do have to be wary of the fact that my memory is not great. But I am fifty. Well, how old am I? Fifty-two. Can't remember. I'm fifty-one or fifty-two. Uh, I can't remember exactly. I thought you were seven. I thought you were in your seventies, Dave. No, I just look like that and smell like that as well. <laughs> um, but my point is that why would someone think that a hundred milligrams of NPP three times a week is going to have anywhere near the impact that right. the shit that I did to myself is? And, and we do seem to have got a little bit silly that way. And in, in so running you know, primo for extended periods of time, that's perfectly healthy, but an exposure to something that's slightly more impacting for a short period of time, that's the worst thing on the planet you can do. And and it, it really is, you know, it, they are tools to create a job, but we seem to be trying to squeeze primo into every fucking job we're trying to do with steroids at the moment. It just doesn't make sense to me. It's just a anyway, fad, man. It'll yeah, it'll fade back away. It, it's it's a fad, just like everything else has been a fad. I've seen at this point when you've been around for long enough, you see things come and go. I don't think it's the mm -hmm. worst fad we've had. I I've seen the nope. three cc per day, you know, fad, and then in that is kind of this is kind of in response to that. Now people are trying to use the least amount possible. That said, it I'm going to get back to a topic though. Back to where we were, Dave. Okay. Now I'm with you. Now, a steroid is not going to get you leaner, but you're going to get, and the term I always use is a cosmetic hardness from a, a cutting steroid. And you are going to get benefit from that if that's if that's what you're going for. If you're going for a cut hard look, you can increase your vascularity, increase the, you know, the 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 sinewy look of the tissue, you know, as you're getting lean. Of course, you still have to get lean. If I were to put a cutting program together, I'd probably do something like test masty because I'm a big fan of the long acting mass versus the short, you know, less frequency of injections, less volume per shot, logistics are easier. You could, I'd, I'd run that for the last eight weeks, something like that. And, um, you know, so test maybe 16 weeks out from end date. Then the, the mast is nice because if you are running that long term, you're not just trying to look perfect for a contest on one day. You can ride that for that next, you know, 10 week period, you know, somewhere around 10 weeks out from the end of the cycle. Then I would start the mast. And honestly, 
I think that that would be plenty as far as gear goes to look really good. Like if you want to get ripped up and go to the beach all summer, that's your goal, which I don't think any of our listeners really are beachgoers. Honestly, they don't strike me at that. But if you want to look jacked in the gym and ripped for other dudes and impress them, (laughs) that would be a good cycle. (laughs) I mean, that's what we're really doing, right? What girls are really interested, you know, in big jacked dudes? Oh, some, but not many, I must admit. I do get more messages from gay people when I was big than I did from women. That was very true. <laughs> um, so what's your take on fat burners at this point? Now? Oh, I'm a big fan of uh, Low Dose Clan. And, you know, I've talked a bunch of times about the way I would run it. Um, and then the the idea that I brought to our show was... If needed, I'm a fan of TRT run at a low replacement dose that, uh, you know, years ago, well, a lot of people still do it, but years ago, I would use it as more of a fat burner and we saw it as more of a fat burner and that we would build that dose up 7,500 micrograms even um, and and, and use it to like accelerate fat loss. But I find that if if you're doing everything right and your diet's in really good shape, then if needed, if your thyroid production was lower, then just adding that in is almost like a HRT. Then you're going to get really good benefit. You'll keep your metabolism revving all the way through the cut. That would be my thoughts on fat burners. And I might add in some Yohimbine with that with that trifecta so combo. I, I, I'm not sure where I sit with this. Uh, so I'll spitball it out there anyway. Okay. When it comes to lifestyle diets, which is effectively what this is, so this isn't a comp prep. We're not looking at probably going sub 10, 12 percent. Oh, I try. Well, there's there's also got to be the reality, though, of being able to maintain this. I don't think so. Okay, I guess it comes down to um, our expectations of the cycle. So, yeah, but so my point is, so you're, you you know, you, it's spring, we're wanting to get in shape for summer, I get that, and we want to maintain shape all summer, yes? I would say, here's the way I see it, I don't really see it as maintaining, I see it as, let's say, let me open my calendar really quick, it's April as we record this show, let's say that we are going to run a 16, four-month cycle, and we're going to start it in May, all right? And uh, I'll bring this up here. Let me let me just bring this up onto the screen because this is what I would do if I was actually building a cycle with someone. So if we started that in May and we're going to run the cycle through May, June, July, and August, let's say it's 16 weeks there, ballpark. May, I would just use test. I'd figure right, things so- out. I'd get things cool. moving. Now, hold on a second. Oh, I'm getting to my point, okay. though. Now, by June, we're getting into pretty good shape, Okay. But we're going to continue, and and at that point, we're like looking good in a tank top. You're starting to see some vascularity, you know. Your your abs are starting to show through. Let's say that because you were lean enough that you can do that now. Um, now we're going to continue to get leaner at a nice, slow, even pace while not worrying about a deadline. So we can still have a cheat meal in there, you know, once a week or whatever. Meaning you're not just like so hyper focused that you, you know, your your life is terrible. And now we're going to keep getting leaner through June, July, and August. So we're not really doing, we're not just maintaining. We're going to focus on getting leaner. But you're pretty lean, you know, by the time that you're like a you know a month or so in, um, and you're just going to keep getting leaner throughout. That would be my thought. And so there's no maintaining by the end of that, 
then we're at the leanest point that we're going to get, we might realize like, well, crap, we could go further, but we would have to increase the cardio a lot. We would have to pull the food way down. It would actually become hard at this point, and you would have to really struggle and suffer and grind. Um, you know, it's not worth it because all you want to do is look as best you can during the summer. Let's switch gears now. You're in a great place to grow. Yeah, but you're not in a great place to grow because you can't touch a cycle for the next two months. So you're going to be December, November before you can go back on cycle. You don't need to run a bunch of gear, though, because your insulin sensitivity is so great. You could pull that back to a cruise dose uh, and then cruise through September, October, and then get back on in November as long as your labs looked good. That would be my thought. Assuming that you were like a TRT guy, you weren't trying to recover your natural test. I'd give it eight weeks off. And then okay. from there, we've built back up. Insulin sensitivity has been awesome. You know, you've rebounded. You're full. Train. Maybe we've changed our training a little bit going into the off season to try to focus on whatever we want to improve. And then at that point, eight weeks, we're in a good groove with all that stuff. Food's built up. Then we can pull the, the trigger again. The reality, though, for, the reality, though, for a large number of people is that they're not going to be in shape in four weeks, five weeks. They're not going to be ready to have their top off in four or five weeks because they're going to be a lot fatter than that in the start place. So if that were the case, then we would start that diet well, me personally, we would start that diet well before this. And if somebody and came to me... cycling later on. Yeah, like if we were to do this, if, if that was the scenario in... Let me bring up a few more months now. So if I was working with somebody long term and this were the case, then let's say that their goal was to look their best in July. All right. And they have a vacation in July. Then I would say, well, and they're already and if they're super fat, we would probably start shifting gears around January, February. We would still pull the trigger on the cycle in May, something like mm -hmm. that. If they just came to me out of the blue and they were like, hey, uh, you know, I want to be in the best shape I can for July and it's already May, then that would not be my plan. Then we'd have to do something else because I, I couldn't justify so, like running a bunch of hard gear and pushing it and, and not looking good, you know? See, for me, the, the thing that I'm, I'm and I, I just haven't decided myself, so this is literally me just with my random thoughts. Yeah. Is... If you're wanting to get into good condition, so let's say good condition is 12% or lower. Sure. And, and most people's lean is sort of 16 to 12, yeah? Okay, yeah. Yeah, we said that's a fair argument. For, so gym lean is 16 to 12, and then getting proper gnarly is below 10. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll go with so, that for a sake okay. argument, absolutely. Yeah, ballparkish, anyway. So for most people, their condition goals are going to be around a 10, 12% mark. That's where they want to be. They want abs out. They want some vascularity. And they're going to achieve that in most, most physiques around that, that body fat percentage level. <clears throat> so my, my thoughts are, are bouncing around a bit more these days on if they want to maintain that for the summer months, so say somebody wants to be in decent nick by the end of June, mid-June, so they can enjoy June, July, and August in reasonable condition, they're not wanting to push deeper, the, those, that condition sort of goal is much better to be achieved without fat burners because then the result is based on lifestyle and maintainable. 
than it is with fat burners. And I'd only start to look at, with the exception of the sort of hormone replacement T3 argument, which I, I get completely. Uh, and then it would only be if I was wanting to push condition more extreme or I was wanting to push condition for a single point, i.e. a week period or so, that I would then potentially look more at fat burners. Um, for the simple reason is that they can get to mid-June, be in decent shape, but they're not having to use any drug use to maintain that shape. So they can they can have the flexibility there that, you know, they're, they're on a period of time where there's no more fat burner use. Uh, I'm not saying they can't have steroids in there, but there's no more fat burner use because all they're trying to do is maintain. And their lifestyle, their calories and their output, so their input and their output is balanced to the point to maintain that body fat level at that point anyway. Here's what I would say, though, and I, I think that that's probably a, a wise idea. And, you know, I don't want to come off like I'm this big fat burner advocate where if somebody wants to diet with me, we need to use Clen. You know what I'm saying? So I want to say that no, no, first. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I will say this. I do think that if you take somebody and let's say they were even 30 percent body fat and let's say that we start working on a diet and we get them moving and they're doing all the things they need to do to progress. And then we were to add Clen in at 20 micrograms for two weeks. And then from there, we progress it to 40 micrograms for two weeks, 60 for two weeks, 80 for two weeks. And then we come off. I think they could still maintain where they're at now because the maintaining it has nothing to do with the 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 drug it has to do with the diet so if they're still eating a diet that would allow them to be at that new body fat then it doesn't matter whether they're using the drug or not the drug the place i see drugs being a bad thing is let's say we don't change the diet and then we just add the clan in and now we're losing fat, we're losing fat, we're losing fat while we're eating like crap, eating like crap, eating like crap. Then we stop taking the clean. Of course, you can't maintain what you gained. But if you're well, already doing all the things you needed to do to lose fat, now you're just going to accelerate how fast it happens. Yeah, but there is the, the inclusion of a fat burner is going to change the calorie deficit irrespective of the diet. So even if you have a diet in a good place, your calorie intake is going to be very much based on your results. Yeah? I would say this, very, though. No, I, in, I wouldn't. In, in, very in very basic terms, if you put someone on 2,000 calories and they're dropping fat at two, three pounds a week, yeah, then you're not going to change that diet to the point where they're fat. Let's move drugs out for the moment. Yeah. You're not going to change that diet to the point where they stop losing. And then you would either increase output by adding in cardio or you decrease input by lowering calories to maintain progress, correct? Right. But if you add drugs into that, the reflection of that 2,000 calorie and fat loss is going to be greater. So you're not going to stop at the same point you would if you were natural. You could progress your fat loss for longer. Oh, absolutely. Yes. So that means that your result is artificial to the calorie input. So as soon as you stop the drugs, you're going to get some rebound because there would be some offset. There would be some offset. Yeah. That said, I've, I've, but I've worked with people long term that we're able to make that adjustment. I don't think that 
I don't think that it's that far. Here's what I see is, let's say that we're making, and we've gone so long, we've gone way, way off on this. This is supposed to be like a 10, 15 minute thing. So I don't know how many people we lost on YouTube with this topic, but um, it is fun to discuss. Let's say that we're losing two pounds a week, okay? And let's say I add the clen in on top of that. You know, we already know what we're doing with the diet. Now we're losing even more rapidly, you know? Now we're really cranking and maybe we're, you know, maybe they're even, you know, maintaining muscle because they're using a TRT dose of test or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. Now, if we stop taking the clen, they're still on a diet that would allow them to burn fat they're just not in as great of a deficit as they once were while on the clen. Well, but it's going to become a point where that calorie input equalizes to their body fat levels. And that's my point. If the drugs are in there, oh, you, sure. you, you go beyond that point artificially. And then when the drugs remove, you're not in a deficit anymore. You're now in a, a surplus. Yeah, either either like yeah, maintenance or somewhat yeah, of a so, small I mean, surplus. I'm not saying it's going to be a massive jump, but that, I, and I'm not saying I'm dead set on this at all. It's, yeah, it just it's just where I've been mulling around is, you know, what point do the fat burner? I mean, you're very economical with your fat burner use as well. So you, like I say, you will almost microdose clean. Yeah, where a, a lot of people they'll start on clean on point eight without even thinking about it. And they'll start it at the beginning of the of the cut yeah. too, so they don't even know if they're losing fat yet. Uh, you know, some yeah, of my so clients are like, "Man, are we going to add?" Like, I'll we'll start up, and I'll be like, "All right, you know, if you want to use Clen, we could have that on hand." And then three weeks in, they're like, "Can we start the Clen yet?" You know what I mean? I'm like, "Well, let's make sure that we're really losing fat here." You know? Yeah, I mean that was uh, that was just my musings on it. But like you yeah. said, we've gone on it too long, so let's get on to the questions yes i agree dave you're the that is you're the voice of reason here is that possible yeah it's actually nice to for, for to actually discuss it properly i mean the other people probably agree. are interested well fuck them it's our podcast we do what the fuck we want all right yeah this is our show today guys yeah we did the last we did the last bunch of shows for you boom and the, the other Peace thing be worth uh, you we had we had we had quite a popular podcast was that last week so we do a shit one this week we can get away yeah. with it <laughs> Also, we're going to have next week off. Um, thanks Yo, for the, you're skiving next week. Don't even start this. Skiving? Apparently, Germany doesn't have the internet. Dave, I'm going to be really busy. I'm going to be on doing vacation. what? I'm going to be on vacation on Monday. You're busy doing what? You're sitting at FIBO. Getting not on, spoiled. By not next Tuesday. Next Tuesday. Nothing. Next Tuesday, I'll be getting ready to travel home. Actually, next Tuesday will be my free day. So I'll be doing anything but podcasting that day. It'll be, I don't know what I'm doing yet. Like, See, just bear this in mind, viewers, a lack of dedication. I go on holiday and I do a podcast from wherever I am. If you get and all the I, equipment it, set up and I just have to show up, I'll do the podcast for an hour. How about that? You know, so, but no, for him, no, no, can't do it. It's too much hassle. I want my free time. Thanks for answering my question. Um, made my day seeing it on here uh, when I was watching you guys every week. Um, got another question for you next week, if that's cool. We suppose it's cool. At what point in a diet would a high-carb day be needed, and what purpose would you use it for? So uh, to me, there's two, two uses. One is a psychological break. Um, one is effectively a diet break. Uh, as we've already alluded to in the, in the earlier part of the show, when you're dieting for a long period of time, 
we can start to see impacts on thyroid function. You can see thyroid levels start to drop. If you want to put that in layman's terms, your metabolism effectively slows down. By having a refeed or a higher period of food for a short window of time, and by short window I mean a day, two days sort of thing, not as in an hour, um, then that can help reset this uh, and help your body continue to maintain fat loss. But there's also a big value to it from a psychological break for people. Um, you know, people do find dieting challenging. They do find it difficult to maintain. And if they have a target point that on this date, I'm going to get more food. If I'm a good boy, it can be used, or girl, it can be used as a reward mechanism as well to help maintain um, adherence to the diet that you've set in place. Agreed. I have nothing to add to that. Can you guys talk about the pros and cons of home brewing and any personal experience? Thanks, lads. Always look forward to the new episode. There is a big con that in most countries it's illegal. <laughs> yeah, in the U.S., not only is it possession of <coughs> these things, uh, it is also um, manufacturing, which they don't look kindly on, you know? It's, it's illegal in the UK as well, it's homebrew. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't carry big sentences, but a lot of that, unfortunately, is down to the interpretation of the, the police and, and bless their cottons, they're usually a bit dumb on that front. And I've seen a few cases where there have been homebrewers of like, you know, five vials of test and four vials of decor, and that's all they're making. Yeah. Uh, and they prosecute them as UGLs. Have you ever uh, worked with a case like that? As a, I did, as yes. I actually did. Um, um, so, young lad um, had bought... Uh, wasn't the brightest penny in the box. Okay. Nice enough lad. Um, had a decent income to do with a family business. And he bought a shoebox lab. So, effectively, he bought a shoebox with... Uh, I think probably 100 grams of test powder and maybe 40 grams of something else. Okay. Uh, it had literally about half a dozen, maybe a dozen empty vials. It had a small bottle of benzo benzoate and probably about 100 ml of benzo alcohol and about 500 ml of a carrier oil. So it was like all a full container. kit. It was a full yeah, kit. All in a little shoebox. It was all in a shoebox. Yeah. There was written on several scraps of paper the weights and measures to create five vials of test. What an entrepreneurial genius that came up with the idea to create this little shoebox kit. You know what I'm saying? Well, my understanding was that he had bought it under the impression that he was getting into making gear properly, as in wholesale, you know. Oh, ones. gotcha. But I say it was a nice enough lab, but it wasn't, it wasn't the shiniest penny. So... He got caught. I can't for what reason they searched his place, but they searched his place, found this through box, and they put a case together claiming that he was a commercial <laughs> Oh, poor guy. And this was uh, an extensive uh, wholesale production facility, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The kid, I say, he, he, he just wasn't. I don't think he was mentally capable of even running a UGL to that scale, let alone knowing how to do it. Yeah. He'd never done anything with it. He'd never used it. He'd never made anything from it. It was literally sat on top of a wardrobe at his home. 
So this went to court and it ended up that the NCA got involved, which is the National Crime Agency. So they're basically the big hitters for serious crime. They used to be called Serious Organised Crime. Um, They changed their name. Um, And they sent their top man to do this uh, report. And it was ludicrous that um, they were trying to paint him as this kingpin of steroid labs and all the rest of it. We got the case kicked out. It never went to trial. Well, it got, okay. it got abandoned on the day of trial. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but yeah, so that, that was, I mean, the lad went through the mill emotionally over it all. Oh, I bet, seen, man. He never suffered any consequences for it. But, um, so yeah, I have seen it a couple of times. Um, I mean, homebrew, you, you know, it's, the issue is, it depends where you are as well, and I don't mean in the sense that the, the most. I think now most areas, most countries have at least a handful of decent, generally reliable labs that are producing a generally decent product. Yeah. So I think the drive to do homebrew from a point of view of quality of product isn't as strong as it used to be. Uh, there used to be quite a lot of um, raw suppliers in China that were actually pushing the homebrew market. I remember Landmark used to do a Facebook series on how to do homebrew. Wow. Um, that I bet Facebook died- loved that. Yeah, well, that seems to have died off a little bit in, in recent years. Chase Irons, and- has a, he has a bunch of stuff. Like if you join his group, he has like a bunch of bunch of stuff about homebrewing he's really big into it a lot of our listeners are like hey i really love the show i also listen to chase iron so i've been homebrewing all my stuff what do you think about my doses for this next cycle like they just mentioned it in passing so you know if anybody wanted to get involved i would say get a hold of chase you know maybe subscribe to his stuff um and and what about the pros i mean there's cost right like you're gonna save money it's cheaper yeah. Uh, you have control over the manufacturer of the product, so if it's if it's not sterile, that's down to you, bun- Bunnykins, and nobody else. Yeah. Um, in in most part, rolls coming in from China are generally legit. Yeah. So there shouldn't be issue with legit rolls. It may be a little bit questionable if you buy the rolls internally for wherever you live. Yeah. 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 Um, so I'd always be a bit dubious about internal rules. I'd always probably be looking to try and get them from China. And yeah. I mean, you can, to be honest, someone's just talked about heavy metal contamination. Um, all UGLs have problems with heavy metal contamination. It's across the board. Um, it, it's the farmer manufacturing process that actually removes a lot of that. But the, the rules, and, and most of the farmer industry use Chinese rules. Yeah, yeah. They, do Ross just, have greater just, heavy they, metal contamination? Was asked. Yeah, they it, do. They do refine it better though in a in a, a farmer environment. But uh, yeah, I mean, they, there's the. I think the only problem is probably going to be that if you're only making five or ten vials of a product, you're probably still going to have to buy fifty to hundred grams of each raw you want to use, and and that would be the one of the potential negatives, but. From a cost and, and quality control point of view, you you're on a winner, really. I suppose. Yeah, I mean, too. I'll add too. Like, if you have a really good source that you trust, then you, it's it's like, well, maybe you saved some money, but you know, I'd just rather spend the few extra dollars and then be done with it. You know, focus on your training then, because it's going to take some effort and thinking. We're not into this to become chemists. We're into this to grow muscle. Don't forget that at the end of the day. Um. 
This guy's a home brewer. He says, uh, um, question for the next podcast. A heavy cycle for me is one gram a test, one gram of EQ, 400 NPP. Um, what would be considered a dosage of DHB? I know, I don't know much about it, but I got some on the way. I'm a home brewer also. What would be the perfect milligram per milliliter? Uh, thanks, guys. Big fan of the podcast. Um, what you guys are doing for the sport is amazing, and I'm thankful to have big bros like you guys to look up to and learn from. That's awesome. I really appreciate it, man. 400. That'd be my dose to him. If I was used- just gonna, yeah, I was just gonna say I, I, I'd probably cap it at four. That was exactly mm-hmm. what I was saying. I was more thinking about the Telus Martin on the bottom of the comment about homebrewing Telus Martin. How do you homebrew a f- Telus Martin? I'm guessing that he's making caps. Yeah, but there's no. All you're doing is just weights and measures with the powder. There's no actual development of the drug. The drug's just in a powder form. I'm guessing that's what he's talking about. He's not like you know. Uh, Mate- also, you know. I would question the. Uh, I've naturally got high BP. You run two and a half gram cycles. Of course, you got high BP. Yeah, that's naturally. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think you're pushing it a bit there with that one, mate. To be fair, um, check your hematocrit. Yes. Hey, Scott and Dave, um, I'm after some advice on training. I'm due to start working four on, four off, 12-hour shifts. So my question is, what training split would you recommend? Um, would you cram everything into four days off, etc.? Thanks in advance. It's not undoable to maintain a normal split when doing shift work. It is challenging on the 12-hour days. I do appreciate that, particularly if those are 12-hour days that are physical. But it is not impossible to do. Um, You may find that working to a pre-work training schedule is going to be easier to maintain. So train before you go to work on your shift days, and then obviously you can train whenever you want on your off days. Um, So... I don't think it's impossible, and I don't think you need to cram everything into the four days off. Yeah. Four days in an eight-day period, could you maintain progress? If it was intense enough, yes, but it would have to be. Um, I'm not a big fan of uh, single body part weekly, but a lot of people do it. Um, A a lot of people do it. So it it is viable. Um. But like I say, I, I mean, even if you did, you could possibly get away with, so on your four shift days, maybe training AM first day pre-work, possibly even get away with a training AM second day pre-work. And then the collective fatigue of the 12-hour shifts might mean that the last two days you don't train for, and then you move into your off period, where off work period, that is, where you can probably stick in another three workouts. So you could go a three-on-one-off in your off day and then two-on-two-off in your work shift day. Yeah, make it work. Um, You know, I had been really big on uh, high-intensity progressive overload push-pull legs, and I found that with myself and a lot of other people, we could only take it so far before needing to do something else. And when we've done something else, I've looked at a higher-intensity push-pull legs followed by one to two workouts for the week that would be more volume 
you know, more like more volume, allowing us to get more work in on a given muscle with higher reps, shorter rest periods and kind of rounding it out. The way Nate Spear once put it to me a couple of years ago, I asked him how he brought up his legs. And he said, well, I added a little volume because as intense as I am, and guys, you know, great bodybuilder, super intense. He said, as intense as I am, I'm not Dorian and I can't, I'm not going to claim that I can squeeze every last rep out in progressive overload. So he adds a little bit more volume in. So I've done like, let's like say a guy wants to bring his upper body up. We might do push, pull legs. And then a higher volume chest, a higher volume back, for instance. It's not yeah. as taxing on the central nervous system, shorter rest periods. And I, I would just wonder what if he did push pull legs on his off days and then he had a couple of workouts that were going to be not as intense on a couple of his work days. And then he started the cycle over, still having time off, still having a day off where there's nothing when he doesn't work. Because I mean, we still have things to do in life besides train on our days off. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, a bit like you said about Nate, um, I've always been towards the high intensity sort of work. But again, I couldn't, I couldn't create the intensity that Dorian created. And I've met very few people that can. Yeah. And as a result, most people need a little bit more volume. Though I do think Dorian did more volume than people realized. Yeah. Um, I could see that. But by the way, Matt said something about he works a 12 to 16 hour day, six days a week and still trains five days a week. Matt, you sit in your truck watching us. How is that work? Yeah, he's watching. He's at work right now and he's messaging us. Exactly. Come on. It's called time theft. (laughs) Also, Blake is with us. He's the guy who had the last question. The guy who's uh, yeah, he's he's doing. Tell Miss Artin, wait it waited on a scale. So he's waiting on a scale and taking it. That's his version of that's what he means by home brewing. And so that that, that you're pushing the home brewing description. <laughs> yes. <coughs> All right. What do we got here? Oh, um Thoughts on an oral such as twenty five to fifty Anivar once per week during a cruise, TRT health phase to assist with strength and performance on a weak body part. Will there be any noticeable impact on recovering health markers? I, I would have thought there'll be no, no, to be honest, I don't think there'll be very much noticeable impact on anything. Um, yeah, agreed. Yeah. You'll see some liver value elevation around the period of window of taking it. Uh, but that like alt's going to elevate, but that that's going to drop back down within a day or so. Um, I don't think there's enough there to see any real adulteration of, of lipids, but I don't think there's anything there to really see any improvement from a performance point of view either. Yeah, I mean maybe slightly in that individual workout, but nothing that I think would carry over to any significant increase of progress with gains. Hmm. How about this one? I don't know how to say this. There, word. Is, there is a minimum effective dose that people need yes. to sort of wear. You know. I would agree, man. I don't think you're going to get much of anything out of that. Maybe, yeah, maybe you might get like more out of like a a real strong oral, like Halo. You know what I mean? But like more more aggression. But I wouldn't expect there to be like added benefits to recovery. Or you know what I mean? I don't know. Right. So. 
I'm guessing what he's asking is... Um, Wait, can we read the question so audio listeners know? Sorry, I forgot we have that thing. I forget. I don't even know how to say this, Dave, but he says, question for the next show. Is there any research that shows the negative gaber, GABA neuronic, nergenic? GABA no, nergenic. Nergic. Nergic. There's oh. no nergenic. Okay. I just, it sounded like nergenic when I just like lazily looked at the word and it was like genic, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, so it's any, if it was Effect. nergenic, it, it would be N-E-R-G-E-N, wouldn't it? So it has to be nergic. But anyway, yeah. I get what I get. What he's getting at is gabinergic effect of bolding on. Uh, are they permanent? So basically, we can have issues with GABA on mm -hmm. EQ. You can have issues with GABA on all anabolics, though. I'm not. I'm not particularly. Is there specific yes. around EQ? Yeah, yeah, and that's one of the reasons you've heard people say like that with EQ they get a lot of anxiety, which thankfully I never got, and I was somebody who was prone to anxiety at the time. So, so, but all anabolics lower GABA. Do they? Hmm. I believe that EQ so, does in a real radical way comparatively. So, so, so the, the general just is that all anabolics increase neuron activity. Okay. And then all anabolics low, lower GABA, which obviously is a counter to neuron activity. It's how we regulate neuron activity. So with lower GABA and high neurons, anxiety and paranoia can ensue. Uh, obviously, they do it to different degrees, but if you take test high enough, it's going to start making you anxious. I think it's, yeah. I think people in I, general I have had more issues. I wasn't actually aware there was any, any studies directly around EQ on it, to be honest. So uh, I don't think there that. is. Ah. I mean, because wasn't EQ considered to be a veterinary steroid anyway? Yeah, yeah. yes, it is. Yeah. So there's no, no human studies, at least. Right, Mandy? Have you seen any studies on EQ? She said no. She's a little shy. She just wants pets. She, she wants to get down. She doesn't like you. <laughs> she loves me. Look at that look. She, she's got a better beard than you. She does. Um, how does DHEA and pregnenolone help with TRT, Dave? This isn't really... Okay. I'm not that convinced it does. I've seen people using it. Yeah, I have. I know there's, I know there's this 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 desire, particularly around certain factors in TRT, that obviously when you take testosterone replacement therapy, all you do is you replace testosterone. Whereas the natural hormone production process involves DHEA and, and involves pregnenolone. And, and a whole host of other compounds that are in that developmental change before we get to testosterone. Um, and same with HCG. So there is argument, because there are HCG receptors in the brain, there is argument that to do a true hormone replacement, mm -hmm. you need to look at replacing these other factors as well. The thing I can't get to grips with with DHEA is... I've seen just as many people on TRT with low DHEA as I have with high DHEA. Meaning not everybody would need it. Meaning yeah. I don't really know what the mechanism is in regards to testosterone replacement around what's impacting DHEA to send it either high or low. I see, yeah. I've experimented with DHEA on TRT. Personally, I didn't notice any difference so and i've known other people who are like oh my god it helped me so much it fixed my libido you know stuff like that so i i, I don't know what to say 
Yeah, and I, and I also don't know what the regulatory process is. In fact, I, I need to, to ask about this. Um, so DHEA will increase adrenal testosterone production. Okay. What I don't know is what's the regulatory process around adrenal pro- testosterone production because it seems to be quite independent to the normal feedback loops that we see around testicular testosterone production. Mm. Uh, DHEA is very, very well used within females to elevate their testosterone if they're sub. I was just thinking that. Level. Yeah. But I'm not sure what the feedback mechanism is around around adrenal um, on DHEA either. So I'm, I'm sorry, mate. I can't help you there. All right. Well, that's all we got, Dave. That's all we had today. We've only got two watches anyway. Well. We'll have two more than that on YouTube. Yeah, so four. Yeah, we'll have four people all together. And I'll watch it. So I think that counts, right? Well, that's good. Yeah. I mean, my daughter suggested we have five fans. So yeah, she, right. she was about quite right. complimentary. Yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. Guys, if you enjoy our content, hit the like button. <laughs> of course, leave comments. Comments help to boost our show in the algorithm. The ZatCon episode did fantastic. We won't be back next week. This is our last episode ever if the plane crashes, Dave. I will be back, but unfortunately certain people just don't care enough about you guys. And so certain people think that the viewers are just not worth the effort. <laughs> Do you see what shirt I'm I sorry, wore today? But yes, uh, oh Lord of High and Mighty there, I'm too good for you commoners that want to watch me. Yeah, Matt, you worry me. You are always there. <laughs> I'm starting to feel stalked. Is there any chance Christmas Cabbage could hop onto a plane and join me? in uh germany for fibo has he ever been to fibo he's not been to fibo but i i'm concerned that you may be too busy to give him the correct attention and you can't get him arrested again and you can't leave him anywhere he's nearly an adult at this point i think he can take care of himself i think he's legal drinking age in germany too isn't he what's the legal drinking age there i think he's 18 the same as uk is it 18 in the uk yeah you guys are savages man Let's see here. Do you know why it's 21 in the States? Why? It's to do with uh, neural development. Really? It used to be... um, So we believe that there's better neural development if you wait till you're 21? The brain does not fully stop maturing and developing until the age of around 24. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they want you to... they care that much about us so yeah so that's why it's set at 21 in the states as 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 a, as a, as a sort of balance 16 so 16 as a minimum age in germany oh. for purchasing beverages containing less than 1.2 percent of distilled alcohol and 18 for buying spirits more than 1.2 most things are higher than 1.2 aren't they I say I think marker pens are higher than one point two for alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's probably true. All right, guys. Well, listen. If you are, um, if you're, when you're watching this, think of me. I will be um, in the streets of Germany somewhere. I'm not sure where. I'm going to have a, a two days off, Dave, to go do whatever I want. So what he's really saying is he will be visiting the bars and the brothels of Germany, spending your Patreon money oh, on I don't even go to, himself. I don't even go to bars. So there's that. 
you missed the ruffle, but <laughs> well, I thought that was a given. But yes, that too. All right, so uh, we'll see you guys back soon. Leave us questions for the next show. Go to uh, you can go to Dave's uh, you know Instagram. Reach out to him over there for some coaching or his Facebook. You can look like Charlie. Let's get that picture of Charlie up here. Where's that at? There's Dave Crossland. Look at this guy. This is one of your clients, huh? It's mm. a big dude, man. He'll probably shout at me for you showing him. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Really? Well, we'll take it off then. We'll edit that out. All right, guys. Thanks for watching. Just keep it brief. We'll see you soon. All right.